0: Here is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're broadcasting another show, actually recording another show, from the venue of ASI, the international event, being held in Orlando, Florida. We're recording in August of 2022, and we've been getting just some amazing guests here. It's really a, a beehive of activity here in this convention center, if you can't tell by the ambient noise. But across from me is Wes Peppers. Wes, it is so great to have you with us.
2: Thank you, Dr. DeRose. Good to be here with you today.
1: Now, a lot of folks know you. They know of you. They know your name. You've spoken uh, throughout the world. You're a popular lecturer. You've got an amazing story. But before we get into all that, right now your current affiliation is with a team called It Is Written. They've got a big presence here at ASI. Tell us a little bit about It Is Written and what you do.
2: Sure. It Is Written is a wonderful ministry. It's worldwide and I've actually been here now for about a year. And we do a number of humanitarian projects all around the world in various countries. We do medical clinics. We have all kinds of classes and education that we do. It is a Christian ministry so we also uh, promote the Bible and other things and we have a number of television programs that are seen all around the world. In fact, we have one called The Trail of Tears, mm-hmm. which won a Telly Award. And it talked about, from the uh, perspective of the Native Americans, uh, how that story went. And, and Pastor John Bradshaw did a fantastic job with that. So we do a lot of different things, television, radio, humanitarian, and uh, it's truly a blessing to be there.
1: To me, it's been really exciting to—actually, uh, I've had the privilege of working with It Is Written over the years, both with John and you know some of the previous— team that was there. And it's just amazing to see you guys have this focus. A lot of people here, you know, Christian organization, they think, you know, out of touch with reality, you know, just talking about, you know, some spiritual, you know, gobbledygook. Sorry to use that, uh, you know, highly technical terminology. But you guys, like you said, uh, all kinds of health programming, a lot of things that are very uh, culturally sensitive. Uh, I know you've done a lot of things that, that relate to some of the challenges, the historical challenges with slavery here in America, indigenous rights. Uh, maybe John feels more freedom to tackle some of those things because he's originally from New Zealand, isn't he? Yeah,
2: that's right. He's from New Zealand. He, John is the president of our ministry, John Bradshaw, and he's known around the world. And, you know, really at It Is Written, we want to be practical in our approach to ministry. We want to truly help people, not just spiritually, but physically in this life emotionally in any way that we can. And so many of our, our projects and our ministries focus around those things, really helping people in a day-to-day, practical, everyday sense. And then that often leads to the spiritual piece as well. So it's just a, really a privilege to be able to be a part of it. And uh, I've seen lives changed. And in fact, next month, we're actually going to Ethiopia, and we're going to be conducting a massive medical clinic. We'll be doing over 2,000 cataract surgeries wow. for people that are blind there. And we'll have some other medical things, some dentistry and family care and that kind of thing. So it's really powerful to see how, uh, you know, God really moves through these things.
1: Now, if folks don't know your history, they would just think, well, here's some guy that was brainwashed, grew up and some... Christian home, didn't know any better. And I'm just saying that because some of my friends, some of the people that tune into this show, sure. uh, Christianity is the farthest thing from their perspective. But you didn't have this mission-driven Christian focus as a young man. Tell us a little bit about your story because it's fascinating. Yeah, sure. You know, I did not grow up in a Christian home, and my parents
2: did go to church about twice a year, maybe Christmas and Easter. Uh-huh. And other than that, I really didn't have much Christian exposure. And so growing up, I had some pretty traumatic experiences in my life. When I was five years old, my grandmother was actually tragically killed by, uh, in a car accident by a man who did not have a driver's license because he had epilepsy. And on Thanksgiving day, he decided it would be a good idea to borrow his friend's car, go to the local liquor store and buy a bottle of liquor. And on the way there, he had a seizure and his feet locked out and pushed the gas pedal to the floor so he was accelerating down the highway at a very high speed and struck my grandparents and both my grandmother and her friend were killed whoa and it was a very great tragedy i remember as a five-year-old boy attending that funeral and thinking to myself you know even though i didn't grow up as a christian you know My family here and there would still talk about God. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that they didn't believe. It's just that we didn't really have any real substance to our belief. And so I remember looking in the casket of my grandmother and thinking to myself, if God is real, how could he allow my grandma, who I love, to to die like this? Mm. And so that began kind of even at five years old, a little bit of doubt in my mind and in my heart. And so that kind of grew through other things. As I got a little bit older, my relationship with my dad was always very rocky, very difficult, and my dad uh, really tended to do his own thing in life. So I tried to find purpose and meaning and other things, and I got into actually playing football, and really? yeah, and became very good at that. Very strong, very fast, very quick, and I was squatting over seven hundred pounds. No Adventure. way! Oh yeah bench pressing over 450 pounds and leg pressing about 1800 pounds and so I was very strong being heavily recruited by a number of universities and so forth and ultimately uh actually my senior year tore out my knee and had a an injury And so I did have surgery and recovered from that. But I remember I was sitting in the doctor's office. I had just had the scan, waiting for the results to come back. And the doctor walked in, right before he walked in, actually, I prayed this little half-hearted prayer. Hmm. And I said, God, if you care about me, if you're out there, if you exist, I want to still play football, so please allow me to be okay. As soon as I prayed that prayer... The door opens, in walks the doctor, and he says, I'm sorry, your knee has been completely demolished. You're going to have to have surgery, and so forth. So I took that as a sign, hey, God must not be real,
1: wow. uh, and so forth. That's amazing. And So basically, it was an injury that occurred in a football game, as I recall. Yeah, that's story. right.
2: We were playing our biggest rival, actually, and it was a very rainy uh, evening, and so the field was very wet and muddy, and I was running along. And the field had been so torn up, I actually mm. stepped kind of in a mud hole and my foot suctioned in and my body kept moving forward, but my foot Whoa. stayed in the hole and my whole knee just twisted and turned and, and, uh, I fell on my back and just knew that th- that was kind of over.
1: Yeah. Just describing it to a doctor. I mean, you just kind of, oh, make, yeah. kind of making me grimace yeah. here inside.
2: So I tore several ligaments and my meniscus da- had a lot of meniscus damage
1: and so forth. Wow. Yeah. So basically, you go through this catastrophic injury. It looks like your football career is over. Is that what you're thinking in your mind? Or are you thinking, I'm going to rehab and come back stronger?
2: You know, I was thinking I'm probably finished. And at least for that amount of time, uh, for the rest of that year, I was finished. I ultimately had to have surgery. But I ended up playing two years of college football still. And okay. uh, I went to a smaller university that had recruited me even after an injury. And uh, I ended up quitting because I... I just didn't enjoy it, and mm. playing college football, uh-huh. it wasn't the same as high school. And so that was a way that I tried to connect with my dad, and I was the, the guy growing up, I had good grades in school, I was quote-unquote popular, mm-hmm. good at sports, and interestingly had everything going for me in life that people said you need to be happy Mm-hmm. and yet I found this emptiness in my life that I couldn't explain I didn't know how to deal with and I didn't know how to get rid of it and so I just f- tried to fill it with all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. whether it was alcohol I started drinking alcohol when I was in uh, ninth grade about 15 years old I had older friends that would invite me and we'd go and drink alcohol on the weekends and then it got to the point where. Uh, I was drinking it on the weeknights. Mm. And then eventually I was bringing it to school. Wow. And I would, when the teachers would be in the classroom even, writing on the board, they'd turn their back to the class and I'd, you know, pull my little bottle out and take a swig and, and then, uh, you know, I'd engage and interact with my teachers intoxicated and this kind of thing. And it wasn't long before I became known as the school drunk.
3: And uh,
2: my football coach actually realized what was happening. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know, you have an opportunity to do something that no one's ever done from our school, which was to have a football scholarship. And he said, but you're throwing it away and you're ruining your life. And he said, I- I'm challenging you to snap out of that. And for a while I did. And, you know, I had good grades and I was doing well in football. And so there were a number of things in my life, then, that were just sort of piling up, mm-hmm. and again, I had that emptiness, didn't know where it came from. One of the things that really destroyed my early youth, I guess, was my parents ultimately decided to get divorced. Wow! And my dad had been cheating on my mom; he had numerous girlfriends, and my mom ultimately discovered this. My dad moved out. My mom really really lost it and she would chase him around and try to find out what he was doing Mm. she got ultimately uh she trespassed on this his girlfriend's property so she got thrown in jail and she spent a couple nights in jail we just had chaos at our house these women that he was with uh they were Sometimes a little bit crazy. And they would, they would do all kinds of things. One poisoned my dog. They hired people to come at three and four in the morning and they'd be beating on our houses, firing guns in the air and just harassing us. Uh, Another one, uh, well actually it was the same one. She called the, all the utility companies posing as my grandmother and had all of our utilities cut off. The phone, the the electric, the water. So we were sitting there for days wondering what's happening until my mom finally thought about calling and realized that this had happened. And so these are the kind of things that were taking place. And I remember one time my mom found my dad and he was with his girlfriend and she was really upset with him. And she called me to come over there and he He finally just stopped her in the midst of that argument and he said, I just have to tell you, I'm sorry, but I love her. I don't love you anymore. This is after 20 years of marriage. Mm. And my mom just kind of snapped and she actually flew through the window of the truck and was choking my dad. And I had to grab her and pull her out of the truck. And when I did that, her hand reached into her purse and she, I saw that she had a pistol and she was going to shoot my dad and so i had to grab her hand and i told my dad you better get out of here she's about to kill you and so he put it in reverse and drove away and these were the kind of things we were dealing with and it was really uh, a bit tragic and very difficult and it all kind of climaxed at a point which i think i'll maybe i'll talk about after the break here
1: (laughs) okay you got your your signals correct this is an amazing story and I know there's a lot of, uh, health implications because, uh, so many folks that tune into, uh, American Indian and Alaska Native living, whether they're native or not, I mean, this is just the world in which we live. Dysfunctional homes and substance abuse, uh, these different factors that are pulling us, you know, whether it's athletics, whether it's academics and so many dimensions. And like I'm saying, this is not uh, an Indian country issue. It's, oh, it's no. an everybody issue. I'm
2: certainly a veteran. It's a human problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so uh, we're all right in there with you. We're relating to this. Before we step away, some folks may not be able to hear the whole interview. I know you've told your story in a number of settings. I've heard you share it live and I think in a couple of different venues. Does It Is Written have anything with your story in it, uh, Wes? You know, not yet,
2: but it's coming.
1: Okay. And uh,
2: I'm I'm ultimately wanting to write a book about it, about my story and how God has worked in my life. But we do have a number of programs on itiswritten.tv, health programs and different things. We can talk more about those later. But I wanted to say that it's very powerful that the way I was living, I know that God did not create us that way to live. And we're going to talk more about that soon.
1: Perfect. Perfect. We do have to step away. Dr. David DeRose, I am your host. As always, across from me, Wes Peppers with It Is Written and It Is Written.tv. More to come right after this. Don't go away.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web. At aianl.org. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, aianl.org. Or you can call us at 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
3: When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are continuing a dialogue with Wes Peppers. He's one of the associate speakers with It Is Written. Many of you know the name of uh, John Bradshaw, who has been the speaker-director of that uh, very powerful international ministry for many years. Wes, a newer member of the team, but bringing a rich experience to the program with him. He's been sharing with us from his own personal life. Wes, amazing story. A lot of people can relate dysfunction in the home, I mean, parents virtually at each other's throats, uh maybe not virtually, really, yeah, as really. you shared, uh, <laughs> nearly talking about a homicide in front of you with one parent killing the other. I mean, this is turmoil for any kid growing up. You lived through that. It looked like you had some security, uh, maybe a football scholarship in college, maybe a, what do they call it, Division 5 school? Is that the... Division 2, it Division was. Division 2? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay, anyway... So you can see I'm not really into the sports scene, but but the bottom line is, you know, bright future, you got an injury, you've got a background that included heavy use of alcohol. How does this all come together? And you're mentioning no really sense of purpose. Uh, Help us. Where do things go from there? Sure. Well, for a little
2: while, they actually got worse. Mm. And I mentioned before the break, I was going to share kind of where it climaxed with my parents and... This kind of thing, you know, the things I shared before the break, those things, I, I shared maybe 5% of everything that was happening. So, uh, friends, if you're struggling with these types of things, domestic violence, addictions, um, various forms of, of of just trauma in your life, I can understand that. I can relate to it. And I know that there is a solution. There is help. And God, our creator, you know, he, as I mentioned before the break, did not create us to live that way. He created us to live an abundant life and he wants us to experience that. And I believe that through him, we can. So let's jump back to my story here. Um, when I was, I was at this point in time, about 16, 17 years old,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I was going through all the trauma I mentioned. And one particular day I came home and found my mom laying on the couch and I went to speak to her, and I noticed that her speech was slurred. She could not speak correctly, and I thought, you know, I just found that a bit odd, and the more I talked with her, the worse it got. Hmm. So I called my dad, and my dad came over, and my sister and I went to our room, and he went in and spoke with her, and then I saw him leaving, and I said, so what's going on? And he said, well, she's sick. I'm going to go to the store and get her some medicine and bring it back shortly. So I waited, and 30 minutes, he wasn't back, so I called. His phone was off. 45 minutes, same thing, an hour, same thing. I called my grandparents, and they said, you need to call an ambulance because she was getting even worse. Mm -hmm. So I did, and the ambulance came and picked her up, took her to the hospital. I followed in my vehicle and got there, and after some checking and so forth, it, it, it was discovered that she had taken... 25 sleeping pills Mm. and she was trying to go to sleep and never wake up. That's what she wanted to do. And so I was pretty uh, traumatized by that. And I immediately asked her when dad came over, did you tell him about this? And she said, yes. So I called my dad and I asked him, I said, did mom tell you that she had taken those pills? And he said, no. And I said, well, that's not what she told me. And so we kind of had a little bit of an exchange and finally he confessed that he did do that. And his intention with that, he left her there, turned off his phone, and he he literally wanted her to die. That -hmm. was his hope because she had caused so much havoc with his new lifestyle, uh, interrupting it and telling his girlfriends that he left his family and so forth. And so he literally had left her there to die. So I got in my car, I drove over to his house, And I had literally a physical altercation with him. And at the end of that, I said, I do, I don't ever want to see you again. And when you die, I'm going to make sure that somebody lets me know when you die so that I can come to your funeral and spit on your grave. That's what I told my dad. Wow. And so I, I, after that, I left. I didn't talk to my dad for another over three years Mm. until after I was being going to be baptized in as a Christian. And so I left that, and I was just very bitter and angry inside. I felt abandoned by both my parents, really, and just didn't really feel like living. And I kind of developed this attitude where I don't need anybody. I'm Mm going to become successful on my own. I'm going to finish my college. At that time, I was still in college. I had already quit football, but I was going to school, working on my bachelor's degree. And I said, I'm just going to be successful on my own. Don't need anybody. Well... That didn't work out as well. (laughs) So I was in college, and I actually had a class in American literature. Hmm. And so as I was reading through that book, I was very interested in history. I always loved history. So I found actually a series of letters between Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine, and I was reading those letters, and Thomas Paine was talking about all the reasons why he did not believe in God, and Thomas Jefferson was writing about all the reasons why he did believe in God. And as I read that, the arguments against the idea of the existence of God really seemed to appeal to me because of the mm. experiences I had had. And so through that and some other things, I was taking some other science courses and things that led me to the place where I declared myself an atheist. I hadn't really confessed any belief in God before, but now I was confessing certainly anti-sentiments about God and the Bible and Christianity or any form of religion, really. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anything to do with any of it. And so I went on that track. And as I did, my life just kind of continued to spin out of control. I Mm -hmm. started to drink alcohol again. There were times, Dr. DeRose, that I drank almost a case of beer several days in a row. And I would just be intoxicated. I was addicted to several things, to tobacco, I was addicted, I had uh, marijuana several times. I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to video games. Once I played a video game for three days and two nights without sleeping. Wow. And I later saw an article in a newspaper from a guy, I think he was in Arizona, who had stayed up the same amount of time that I had playing a video game. He started to have seizures and he died. It was very mind-blowing. Uh-huh. And so I had all these addictions in my life, and on the outside, everybody looked at me and they thought, wow, he's doing well. He's in college. He's, he's doing great. I was a likable person uh-huh. to those whom I liked. <laughs> uh, if there were people that were Christians trying to talk to me, I would often send them away in tears. And even my own mother, you know, my mother was reeling and trying to recover from this divorce. She had people that she worked with that would try to invite her to a maybe a support group or a mm-hmm. Christian church counseling or something. And I would tell my own mother, don't go to church with those people. Don't go to their counseling. They're all weak-minded, and they're just going to lead you astray. I told mm-hmm. my sister, who was 12 years old, there's no God. Never believe in God. He doesn't exist. And people are just lying to you about this stuff. And so I was just a very hardcore atheist and I got myself into such addiction that there's no way I could break free. I just couldn't Mm. stop those things. And they just kind of grew and grew until they just were taking full control of me. And I'm sure maybe some of our listeners can relate to that. It's it's very easy when you don't have a power in your life outside of yourself to easily just be drawn to these things and many people, they're struggling, they're feeling guilty and and they're just wrestling with this. And I just want to appeal to you that you don't have to feel that way. Mm. And there's a better way to live. And so I reached about the lowest that I could go. And I thought about, I was reflecting on my life. I was 22 years old at this time. And I was reflecting and I just thought, you know, I don't have much to live for. I'm pretty miserable. I developed depression and There were times when I'd have five alarm clocks around my bed. They would all go off at the same time, and I wouldn't even budge. I wouldn't even move. Hmm. My roommates would be knocking on my door trying to wake me up. And so all of these things were just kind of coming together at one point, and I thought, if this is what life is really all about, why even live? Hmm. Why not just commit suicide and be done with it? As I thought about that, I was pretty determined to do it. I was going to commit suicide. You even had
1: a plan and everything?
2: Well, I would have done it that day. Wow. Except I wanted to do it in such a way that my family would feel responsible for the rest ah. of their life. That's what I wanted.
1: So kind of punishing to them. Punish
2: them. To punish them, My especially my parents, my dad and my mom. My dad for doing those things and my mom for not being there for us mm-hmm. when— I didn't realize then she was suffering, of course, trauma as well, and she couldn't do that. And so that's the thing that prevented me from doing it that day. So as I thought about doing it and how to do it, a very interesting thing began to happen. I began to have certain thoughts of, uh, the thought was, why don't you study the Bible? Hmm. And I didn't know where those thoughts were coming from. I didn't have any... Inkling of God had no interest. The first time I thought that, I just rolled my eyes. I thought, why would I even think that? Uh-huh. But it's like that thought began to grow. I mean, I didn't hear a voice or anything, but it was just this, this deepening conviction that I should study the Bible. And so after maybe, uh, a week of that, um, I, I spent some time thinking about it and, and I decided I would study that. So after the break, uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about that in depth and I'm going to share how Really, was that moment that really began to transform my life for the better. So we'll talk about that after the break.
1: It's exciting, Wes. For those of you tuning in, if you feel like you're at the brink, maybe you've got a friend, a loved one who's dealing with this, make sure you get them to the archives of this show, American Indian and Alaska Native Living. You can check us out at AIANL.org. We've got more with Wes Peppers coming up right after this.
0: It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org.
4: Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart, and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samhsa.gov support. That's samhsa.gov slash support.
1: Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly
0: free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth.
4: If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are in a busy venue. It is Orlando, Florida, August of 2022, when we are recording this show. The ASI International Convention has brought people from all over the world, literally. Someone just walked by the booth during the break who has done a lot of work in Japan. We are here now talking still with Wes Peppers. Wes is telling an amazing story. Basically, a guy who had a lot going for him but finds himself pretty much... At rock bottom, contemplating suicide very seriously. And then you start having these crazy thoughts. Crazy to you as an atheist yeah. that you should study the Bible. That's really wild. It was. So what did you do with this? Yeah. So, you know, I i thought to myself,
2: I'm going to study the Bible to prove it false. That's uh-huh. what I decided. Okay. I said, I know that it's fake. It's a bunch of fairy tales. It's just, uh, you know, the inventions of men and this kind of thing. And so I just decided I'm going to pull this thing out and I'm going to study it and I'm going to prove how ridiculous it is. Mm -hmm. So ironically, at the very same time, my uncle, who was one of the only Christians in our family at that time, gave me some Bible study guides. Hmm. And so I had already told him previously, don't give me any more stuff. I'm not interested. Uh And he had not for a long time. But he said, you know, oddly enough, I just felt so impressed that I should give these to you. And I just looked at him funny because I thought, well, that's weird timing, you know. And so I just looked at him funny. I took them out of his hand, shoved them in my bag and left. So I went to my college apartment and I pulled out this old Bible that I had that my grandmother had given me years ago. And I opened those Bible study guides and I started to just see what it was all about. Mm. And what I found really just blew me away. I found not just these fable-like stories, but I found concrete evidence that the Bible really was true and could be trusted. And mainly, the way that I found that was through Bible prophecy. And so I began to study some of these ancient prophecies that didn't speak vaguely or broadly Mm -hmm. about what's happening in the world today, but actually very specifically and very directly. And I just was... I was just mind-blown in that the Bible really had created a timeline. There was a timeline in the Bible from ancient times until the time in which we live today. And many of the events that we see happening in the world today were foretold long ago, and they were foretold through stories and through prophecies and through images. Uh, Like in Daniel chapter 2, there's this metal man, and it's basically a timeline all the way down through history, And I went to the library, and I confirmed all of these things, that they were true. Then I looked at biblical archaeology, and that was mind-blowing to me as well. And I found a number of evidences that really, in any biblical archaeological issue or subject, everything points to the validity of the Bible. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that contradicts what the Bible says. And so I had never heard of any of these things. I had never seen any of these things. But I was becoming convicted that, hey, maybe this is true after all. And so I continued to study, and I made the decision ultimately that I believed the Bible would be true. And then I met, through the stories of the Bible, the person Jesus Hmm. and the Son of God. And that really blew me away, just the life that he lived. And it was a really incredible journey that he came down from heaven to save humanity. And I realized that I needed him. And I needed that purity in my life that I had not had before. And I knew that God had created me, but I had turned away from that, and I needed to turn back to it. And that's really that's really just the story of, yeah. of what God wants for us. We've turned away from Him. He just simply wants us to turn back to Him. And so I was 22 years old in my college apartment, and that's when I gave my life back to God, gave my life back to the Creator. And that, for me, was transformational. And I began to experience a power in my life that would allow me to have victory over those things Mm. that I had been enslaved to for so long. And so my life just really drastically changed. And some people would think, oh, wow, so your life must be just happily ever after. It must be perfect after that. And that's what a lot of people have in mind. And certainly that's not the case.
1: We want to hear more of the story, but I'm just resonating with your story, uh, not only from my own personal experience, but I'm I'm thinking so many folks that are tuning in because we're dealing with an epidemic of depression, an epidemic of suicide. And really, what I hear you saying, Wes, is if you haven't looked seriously at some of the claims of the Bible, and and I would be the first one to say I think the Bible has been greatly misrepresented in Indian country. absolutely. Um, And and I've shared this on air before, but probably one of the most— Tragic things. A memorial on uh, the island of Hispaniola, you know, Haiti, Dominican Republic. I walk into this thing and they've got this monument to a European and it says for evangelizing the mm-hmm. island of Hispaniola and the history is that the indigenous people were wiped out. Mm-hmm. And who would want to uh, have anything to do with a God who was behind that? But the point is, what I hear you saying, what I would say is that's not the God of the Bible, right?
2: That's right. And many people who claimed Christianity were not really Christians. Mm-hmm. And from the Dark Ages on down through the time of indigenous people and the history of North America, Christianity has not always been properly represented mm-hmm. and, and, in fact, was accompanied many times with violence and and just just wrong types of actions. And it's sadly enough, a lot of people in the name of Christianity were dealt a handful of suffering and heartache and, and tragedy. And really, that's again, like you said, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is love. He cares for us. We're his children. And even Jesus, when he walked the earth, he talked greatly about those who claimed his name, mm-hmm. but did not represent him properly. And we see that in the history of humanity. So, I always like to say that these types of things are not necessarily evidence that Christianity is false, but it's just been misrepresented and that the problem is not so much with Christianity as it is human problem. It's a human problem. And we've all been drawn into that, that turning away from God and every group of people has their issues, you know, and sadly Christianity has had its string of terror. It's bad, it's bad, but When we look really to the truth of it, we find the beauty of a God who is not those things and who is something much better.
1: Now, the crazy part of this story, as it continues to play out, is there's a whole segment today of Christianity that basically believes once you, quote, come to Jesus, that like you've alluded to already, you know, everything is happily ever after. If you have enough faith, no disease, you can have the big car, the the mansion, whatever goes along with it. name it and claim it. And, yes. you know, the God of Heaven's going to give you all this. Is that the kind of God that you saw portrayed in the Bible? And is it the kind of God that's played out uh, in your life?
2: Yeah, not at all. And in fact, the Bible tells us that in this life, we're going to struggle. There's mm-hmm. going to be battles to fight. There's going to be temptations. And even Jesus himself struggled with those things. And in my own life, I did have a great sense of peace. I had a great sense of joy in my life that I had not had before. But I also had new struggles. And one of those struggles was uh, a number of years ago, I actually found out that I had cancer.
1: Wow. Now you're not a, an old man right now. I mean, no, I'm an so no. You're no. A young guy. Yeah, that's got right. Got a I, young family. Yep. I'm 42 now. When I
2: had cancer, I, I was 28. Wow. Actually. And so I went to the doctor. It's a bit of a long story, but I ultimately had been having several health problems. I went to the doctor. They did some scans and found out that I had cancer. And they did surgery, and I had to have several rounds of chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And after the first round of chemotherapy, I actually ended up, uh, my immune system kind of bottomed out, and I ended up with a septic infection, and I almost died. When I checked into the hospital, I wasn't sure what was happening Mm -hmm. but I was feeling very very cold very stiff and my skin color was turning gray and I was starting to black out and I ended up going to the hospital and my temperature was about 105 my heart rate was 180 no way 180 yes they did some blood work on me my white blood cell count was 0.2 and my blood pressure was fifty-five over twenty-seven. And they rushed me immediately up to ICU. Now as a physician, you're probably thinking, How are you even still alive? I think it was a miracle, I guess, but I was barely alive. I was starting to see black because uh-huh. I was dying. I was literally yeah, dying. So you're
1: going into what we call septic shock. Yes. Know, your blood pressure's yes. bottoming out. You got this overwhelming infection. Yeah, it's a bad situation. A lot of people die with it. So you're basically on the brink again, you're on the brink about to take your life. It, what six years before yes and now you're at a point where uh about to lose my life that's right that's right so uh, obviously it doesn't end right there
2: yeah no it doesn't end right there and you know I checked in and they they took me up and they didn't know if I would make it through the night mm-hmm. and so they started giving me some medication to try to raise my blood pressure and so forth I made it through the night and the next day um I just kind of went up and down really bad and And, uh, they were doing all that they could, but because my white blood cell count was so low, they couldn't trace the source of the infection really. Mm. And so after a few days, my white blood cell count kind of went through the roof. It was like 33 or something like that. Very high. Uh And so they were just trying to stabilize me. And every night they said, they would tell my wife, we're not sure if he's going to make it. But, uh, through that all, There were some really amazing things that happened, and I'll tell you about those towards uh, after our next break here, but really, I believe that that God intervened in my life, and it was a very, very clear intervention, and I'm very thankful for it, but if it wasn't for the prayer of people everywhere for me, uh, to God on behalf of me, I don't think I would have made it, and so there was a lot of wrestling that went on in my own heart during that time of really coming to a place of surrender and, and just uh, having peace with God about what was happening. So there wasn't just an, a physical struggle, but there was also an emotional struggle and a mental struggle and really ultimately a spiritual struggle. And so whatever trauma we go through in life, we're going to have all of those struggles. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important for us to have a platform or a, or a base or an anchor, a foundation in which we can stand on. So we'll talk more about that after the break here.
1: Wes, fascinating story, and I know you—I think—well enough to know that you're very committed to a healthy lifestyle. I do just want to ask that question before we step away. Were you prior to the diagnosis of cancer had you gotten interested in really caring for your health, or was that more of a post-cancer kind of change in orientation?
2: Yeah, that was—I was pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was eating well, was exercising, mm-hmm. and all that, and so. Uh, certainly all those things are
1: helpful, but they don't, we can still get sick even and, with that. Yeah. That is, that's such a, such an important message. So many people, they're pointing fingers at people. Oh, he had that's right. cancer for this reason. He has that disease. That'll never happen to me because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. That's but right. We live in a broken world. That's right. Messy world. Uh, yes. all kinds of stuff comes at us, not by our own choosing. Sometimes it is. That's right. And, uh, I know we've got another amazing chapter in your story before we step away. One more time, you represent currently a ministry that's making a difference as far as people's whole person health. How do we get more information about It Is Written? Sure. You can go to itiswritten.com, which tells about the ministry
2: and all the things that we do. Also, itiswritten.tv, where you can find all kinds of programs. You can find that Trail of Tears program, a lot of history programs, health programs as well. We've done a number of those and uh, all kinds of things there. But
1: again, that's itiswritten.tv. Very, very powerful resource for you. Tremendous. Wes Pepper is my guest. He's staying by. Do the same. Compelling, compelling conclusion to his story. Stay tuned. It'll be up right after this.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded.
1: Welcome back to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Dr. David DeRose, for the final segment of today's show, we've had the privilege of having Wes Peppers with us from the beginning of the show. Wes is one of the associate directors at It Is Written. It is a ministry that touches people throughout the globe, making an impact on their health, their mental health, their physical health, their spiritual health. Whole person health is the focus. You've heard Wes speak about some of the special sensitivity that his ministry has had for indigenous peoples, not just here in North America, but abroad. Wes, we've been really diving into your story. It's an amazing story. From the brink of death at your own hand, contemplating suicide, to now a cancer survivor of sorts. You're getting cancer treatment, chemotherapy. It's bottomed out your white count. Basically, you don't have any defense for infection. You're about to die, it seems like. Intensive care unit, that's where we kind of left off, and things are just still going crazy. How do you get through all that?
2: You know, it was a real struggle, and I remember in the middle of the night, uh, I was laying there. It was about three o'clock in the morning, and I was just wrestling within myself, and I I knew there was a good chance I could die at, at any time, and I just appealed to God. I said. You know, God, you're the one that made me. And if my life has to end at this time, so be it. But I just want to be at peace with you. Mm-hmm. And I was just willing to, to just give myself completely to him. And when I did that, I did sense a very strong peace that took mm-hmm. place. And I realized that whether I lived or died,
1: that I was going to be just right with him, just at peace with him. And yeah. This is really interesting because some years ago, a physician who was also an atheist as well, started to study prayer, looking at mm-hmm. research on prayer. Yes. And they looked at this very question, you know, what kind of prayers are the most powerful in cancer? And a lot of people say, pray, you know, envision your white blood cells killing the cancer yes. and all this. And the most powerful prayer in the research was just like what you shared, mm-hmm. people who who surrendered themselves to the Creator to some higher power. Yes. Yeah, so I'm right in there with this story. So you do this yes. kind of at the brink of death, and what happens from there?
2: Well, I have a group of students. I was teaching at a school at that time. I had a group of students who came down who also prayed for me. They did a prayer walk around the hospital, mm. and they did that seven times. And then at the end, they got in a circle, and they had a- another final prayer, and they said that when they finished the prayer, there was a white dove that was flying right over them, and it flew away. That was And it was amazing. That was on a Tuesday evening. The very next morning, I woke up, and I had this massive abscess on my hip. Huh. And I, call, I told the nurse, and she said, oh, honey, it's just uh, from the fluid. And, and I said, well, you should probably look at it. So she came and looked at it, and she was just blown away and she called the doctor in, and they ended up sending me down to surgery. Well, that infection had pocketed in my hip, and so they were able to lance it and drain it and put it through the lab and find out exactly what antibiotics they needed Mm. to give me. So when they did that, I immediately began to get better. Uh And so I believe it was a combination of prayer and modern medicine that allowed me to uh, begin that recovery process. And I believe the creator answered. I mean, mm-hmm. he was there at present in my life. And and so I began to get better and better until I was able to make a full recovery. And I'm so thankful for it. You know, it taught me a lot of lessons about humility and about not having absolute confidence in myself mm. that I needed something more than that. And, you know, it just renewed my relationship with with my family and with life in general. I mean, I could... Look at the flowers and look at the trees in a whole new way Mm. and just appreciate the beauty of creation and all that God has done for me.
1: It's an amazing concept. I've been uh, looking at research on a topic called savoring, this idea of just appreciating things around you. And just like you're talking about, looking at what the Creator has made, and indigenous peoples seem like they have this gift from absolutely yes their elders where they have this ability at least historically and now of course being bombarded by all these social influences that draw them into the world of media and things many times but just a a powerful health giving life enhancing concept and really you're tapping into this in the aftermath of some real horrific experiences in your life
2: that's right and you know, there's a lot of beautiful healing that is in nature, and nature itself is just healing. And, and, um, I, I've always been fascinated, even since I was a little boy, was fascinated with indigenous people and, and their ways and their appreciation for nature and creation and their, their desire really to connect with the creator, the higher power. And I've always appreciated that and admired that. And uh, I've studied it. I've read a lot and so forth. And so, uh, I just really, have appreciated that in my life. And, and I did want to say that because, um, I've just learned a lot in life and many times we learn more through the trials and difficulties in our life than we do the good times Mm -hmm. and the things that go well for us. No one ever really learned the greater lessons in life by sitting on a beach and sipping a drink. You know, (laughs) Uh, we have to go through these things and but through it, we learn and we grow and we mature into all that we were created to be. And uh, so I'm thankful for those experiences. They're never pleasant. Trauma is never pleasant. And trauma can sometimes lead to more trauma. But through it all, there is a strength that can come to us from above that can carry us through the darkest times of our
1: life. I so appreciate you being willing to share your story. And for folks who, again, haven't made the connection with your current place of work. You're the associate speaker of It Is Written. That's right. It Is Written over the years. Some folks who know some of the partnerships I've had over the years, I've had the privilege of working not only with John Bradshaw as the leader right now of, uh, I guess they call him speaker director. Yes. That is that his official title? That's of right. It Is Written. But uh, Mark Finley, one of his predecessors. And uh, these guys have just done some amazing health programs with uh, a variety of professionals. I've had the privilege of working with them. And I mention that because you mentioned something earlier, Wes, about uh, Bible studies. I know one of the things that is pretty unique, it seems, with uh, some of the uh, Christian organizations represented by ASI is that they often have this blending of physical health and spiritual health. And I know it is written has a series of Bible studies. One of them is exclusively devoted to how the Bible speaks about personal health and health practices. That's right. How does someone access these resources that you guys have put together?
2: Sure. We have the Creation Health Bible Studies, Creation Life. We have our regular Bible study series. And you can go to itiswritten.study, itiswritten.study, and those lessons are available to you for free. You can just access them there online. And, again, on itiswritten.tv, there are all the health programs. I would encourage the listeners to check out the Trail of Tears program. I uh-huh. think our indigenous listeners would especially appreciate that and really value that. So there's just a lot of great resources that are available to you there. All are absolutely free. Itiswritten.study and itiswritten.tv.
1: Now, I know you have lessons in print as well. Just kind yes. of an interesting story. Sure. I was uh, – working with a Christian grade school near where I live, and I was telling the kids about some of the programs for children yes. for It Is Written as well. Yes, And I told them, you know, I'll get you these printed lessons if you'd like, or you can do them online. And it's about 20 kids, and individually, every single one of them, so we want to do them online because with the kids, you know, you've made oh, yeah, it really sure. fun. They're sure. you know, connecting you know, things light up green if they get the answer right or That's red right. if it's wrong. So uh, I know people can get things in print. Maybe those of you that are tuning in, if you're uh, maybe in your 60s or 70s, the the written lesson sounds better. You can reach out to It Is Written and get information there.
2: If they just call the office, they'll be glad to get them for them. And I don't know the number off the top of my head. If you go to written.com the number is right there you can call.
1: Yeah, I love just giving a single place for people to go, so itiswritten.com. Wes, there's a lot of folks who have resonated with your story. Maybe, you know, the whole Christian dimension, that's been a tough sell, just like it was for you. Sure. And maybe you want to speak to that person from your experience. Sure. I would say give it a chance. Don't look at
2: people. People often misrepresent. There are some people that represent wonderfully But there are others that don't. Don't look at the negative experiences in your life. Because sometimes those things are the things that God is using or the Creator is using to draw you to Him. But look at the character of God. Just open the Bible and look at the life of Christ and be willing to be open. Let your heart be open. Let your mind be open. And if you truly, sincerely desire to know, He'll make Himself known to you. And there's no pressure. I always like to say he's a very gentle and very kind. Uh, his arms are open to all of his children all around the world. And so just, just let your heart be willing to receive him. It's very powerful. Life transforming experience.
1: Thanks for sharing your story, Wes. We do have to step away. Yes. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Hopefully today's show has given you not only something to think about, but some encouragement. No matter what you're going through, there is help available. There is a loving creator that can help you right where you're at. Well, for all of us at American Indian and Alaska Native Living, I am Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health.
3: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio
1: Network.